G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby Pod Slam. Uh, coming to you at the back end of a Lions tour and, well, uh, there's a couple of other things to talk about tonight and see if we can get to those. I've got Scott Allen. Mate, how are you? Great, Matt. And you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. And I've also got back by popular demand, Mr. Tins. Mate, how are you? I'm good, but everything's got polite. Good, thank you. How are you? What's going on? <laughs> That's not what I remember. <laughs> well, we've cleaned up our accents. You've been gone, mate. We've um, oh, we've in- instituted a few, uh, you know, rules and regulations. Uh, those oh, sorts of things. Was that that email? Didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. My my funniest comment ever last week because I used a profanity. <laughs> was, wasn't trying to be funny. I was just being honest. <laughs> oh, no, I've got I've got to admit. I got all, compliments all pow- for it. All power to you guys, man. You guys have been pumping them out. I've been listening to them at work, but I've been doing stuff while I've been listening. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, well, you, been, you, I've been struggling to keep up with listening to them. I haven't had time to be on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has been a bit. Yeah, it has been a bit of a, a frenzy. Uh, but uh, people were still listening to them somehow. So we we, we kind of foolishly kept going. Um, Good on them. But look, let's get stuck into it because I think this is. A, let's rip the band-aid off, shall we? Um, and talk about it. Um, the Lions. It all went wrong. Final score: sixteen forty-one. Bit of a drubbing. I was actually there. Um, in, in, you know, if, to, if that makes anyone else feel slightly better, it was uh, I, pretty tough. Well, I spent a good part of six days in the week, six days of the five days leading up to it, scrambling to get myself there, and I never made it. So mm. it was okay. Yeah, you were lucky. <laughs> you were very lucky. And, and Scott, how did you go, mate? How, how did the living room carpet look by the end, by the time you'd finished pacing? Well, I've got to admit that it's my fault the Wallabies lost <laughs> because. Huh? Last week, I predicted they'd lose, so that, that was unpatriotic in the first place. Mm. Secondly, I was so busy on Saturday night and afternoon that I didn't even manage to get a Wallaby jersey on. So, oh, at so, least three days worth it. Oh, my God. And, and whereas at the second test, I basically spent two days, I couldn't do anything. I was so excited. I didn't even have time to get excited. So I sort of sat down with 10 minutes to go and went, oh, quick get this on, and so it's all my fault. I didn't prepare properly. Mate, I think there's a lot of people walking around like that. Uh, One of the guys I went with, a good mate of mine, Sean, he had uh, his 2003 jersey, and he said the only other time this jersey had ever been worn was that fateful night, um, you know, with Wilkinson's drop goal. Oh, Um, dear. Yeah, so he was saying, I don't know if I should wear it again. I said, oh, mate, of course not, don't you know. Um, actually, quite seriously. Got this. <laughs> well, and also quite seriously, if we thought about that with every Wallaby jersey, there wouldn't be many you could wear in the last 10, <laughs> the last ten years. Um, which is probably maybe another subject we'll come on to later on. Um, I know. Let's, let's talk about the game. Uh, it went really, really badly wrong from minute one. Uh, continued minutes. to go really, really badly wrong yeah. for about another twenty, thirty minutes. Then it went really right for a while. To a point where you thought, "Hang on a minute, you know, maybe this is gonna, exactly maybe this is going to, you know, maybe the good guys are going to win this." And then it went spectacularly wrong. Um, Scott, how, how did it happen? 
Well, I guess, as I said to you last week, what I was worried about was that the Lions couldn't play three bad tests in a row. Mm. And let's not kid ourselves, they played really poorly the first two tests, particularly in the second one where they didn't try to play. I think they tried to not lose. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I thought our performance over the three tests was pretty much, you know, the same. Um, fought like hell, really gutsy effort. You've got to be really proud of the players for just keep fighting right to the end. But, look, the other thing we talked about last week, and I know we copped some flack for, was that, you know, it, it looked to us, and it looked to me anyway, that that was a negative squad. Pick a 6-2 bench, they're going to play it really tight, and then backs aren't going to see much ball, work on a possession game. And, and if you listen to the, the halftime talk, uh, the interview from Adam Ashley Cooper, where all he talked about was we've got to get possession and hold on to the ball. And Robbie Deans was the same. And in the first half, they had... 45% of the ball. Second half, they had 58% of the ball. So they got the ball. They just held on to it. But the only way they held on to it was basically playing in a very narrow channel where the ball didn't get beyond 10. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you saw on Twitter, I, I put some numbers out that, you know, Beal and O'Connor, 27 times they got the ball at first receiver and only once did they pass it to Leo Lafano at 12. Mm-hmm. So it just, you know... We, we had more possession than the Lions. We had, in terms of the number of times we had the ball, we had more possession in terms of the number of phases. We just were playing very, very narrow. Mm. And, that, you know, in the second half, Adam Ashley Cooper did not touch the ball once. And Christian Leofano touched it, well, actually touched it three times because he had two shots at goal, but he only touched it once in his hands. That's crazy. I mean, it's just to have your 12 and 13 not getting the ball and you're just trying to truck it through the middle... Mm. And that's why I needed a 6-2 bench, because that was the game plan. So, I mean, if the Lions had played poorly, we might have snuck a two-point win. Well, but here's the, here's the amazing thing, is um, because on top of that, you've got the whole meltdown at tight head, uh, which shipped a bunch of points and you know, left us with 14 men for so long. But the thing that I was just amazed by was that we, we managed to ride all of that and get it back to 16-19, um, right up until about the 57th minute. And at that point, actually, we were hot on attack. There was kind of 10 minutes each side of halfway when we were really, really making headway, but just not able to get over the line. And then there was this little pattern of play uh, and you know where we ended up back down the wrong end. All of a sudden, there was a couple of tries and it was just game over. It was almost like there was this final, that, that final half hour, something broke. You know, well, well, something I'll tell you, went I'll tell you, totally wrong. I'll tell you what I think broke. Mm. If you look at it, the Lions were playing rugby right up to the point Alexander got the yellow card. The first time they had the ball after that was when they had that 27 phases mm. and really went nowhere. And they tightened it up. And they were just trying to grind us out. They were going, beauty, the Wallabies have got 14 men, hold the ball, wear them down, and we'll either get a penalty or they'll break. Mm. And they, they actually went negative. And then for a period there, well, the whole time Alexander was off, they were pretty negative. And I think that caught them out. And as soon as they, you know, in the second half, they didn't start well. They were a little conservative. They were trying to protect their lead. As soon as we got close again, they started playing rugby. And as soon as they started playing rugby, they blew us away. And I think that was for both teams. You know, the teams, if you look through the whole series, the teams that played rugby at certain periods of the series, like we did in the last 15, 20 minutes of the second test, 
in that last 15, 20 minutes, you know, the Wallabies were really good because they, they knew they had to score a try to win the game. Mm. And so I, I think both sides through the series, it just showed if you're playing rugby to win, you know, you're much more likely to actually get something going for you rather than just hanging on. So, Timsey, mate, come on. What was your big take on the game? Where, where do you think the turning point was? Well, I don't know. That, it's, it's interesting what Scott says there. I don't think I really thought thought it thought about it like that, but mm. you know, it's just pretty rare. But he's right. Um, that's uh, the yellow so what's card. That? It's pretty rare that I'm right. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you picked that up. <laughs> oh, I'm being facetious. No, it's um. <laughs> It's uh, it, the yellow card changed it um, for a lot of reasons, and you know the. But I, I didn't really think I joined the dots that the negativity creeped in, and it kind of did. So mm. we had a crack, and we started doing all right. But yeah, they, they were good enough to turn it back around again. I guess. Um, yeah, that's well, pretty much how I saw it. Card that was the twenty-seven phases. They ended with a shot at drop goal. Yeah, yeah. And they went 15 metres in 27 phases. Yeah, so. that's, amazing, yeah, yeah. that's some amazing D. I mean, I, I must admit, there's a couple of things that I thought the team got slated for. Um, one was the pack, and I actually thought, you know, minus what happened with Ben Alexander, that I'm not sure any of us were that surprised. Um, I actually thought as a pack, especially in the loose, um, well, I thought they were the only reason we got to within three points, um, considering what was happening out back behind them. So uh, I'm not sure we could really blame them. I thought actually... in both in the game and in the series, I thought they showed that they could they could actually muscle up. Um, you know, so there was that. The other bit that I've seen talked about and it really talks to those stats you were talking about, Scott, was you know people have said, oh, you know, Christian Lely Lafano really didn't do much, and I'm he like, never got the ball. well, yeah. I mean, if you were playing outside, um, you know, the way uh, O'Connor and Bill were playing, I don't, I'm not quite sure what you could do, um, you know, with that. But uh, anyway, that were yeah. my two takeaways. Now, I haven't seen it yet, Scott. I'm sure you've got it coming, mate. Is the the video analysis of the scrums is is there much to analyse, or is it just too much of a bloodbath? The point, the question would be why would we want to watch it? No, look, it it was a complete bloodbath. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so rather than do a video, I, I look back at the the stats for the series on the scrums just to see whether or not. I mean. One, where there's any way Ben Alexander can resurrect his career, I think. Mm. Um, he packed 25 scrums at Tighthead in the series. Um, and these are not including resets. These are including scrums that finished. And I rated, you know, how he went in those. I had four out of 25 where I thought he was dominant. Mm-hmm. So 16%, which is in itself not a great number. But I had another seven where I thought he was, you know, on par. So combined, that's 44%. So I had 56% of the scrums he packed where he was dominated in the series. Mm. And, you know, no team is going to survive with that sort of issue at your tight head. Mm. Now, we were okay in the, the first and second test because Vunapola played a lot of the, the tests. So, and he's not a great loose head. Corbizero is not, a, not one of the world's really great loose heads. He's not a woodcock. He's not a... Healy, he's not a Ben Robinson. Um, but as soon as you know, Alexander came up against you know, a tight head who was on his game that night, Corbuzero played well. Mm. Um, I mean, you saw it, he just got slaughtered. And watching those scrums and sitting back and going through them very, you know, frame by frame, it's just horrific. Mm. It's absolutely horrific. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Corbuzera had a, he had a fantastic game, didn't he? Um, he did. As it turned, you know, not just in the scrum, he also scored the try. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I but actually there were some issues behind Alexander as well, right? And behind Robinson, you know, the, the middle ray wasn't working as well as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots of guys popping up over the top, so they weren't getting a lot of support behind them. But at the end of the day, Corbuzera just completely dominated Alexander and. I don't think there's no, and there's actually there's three more scrums in the first half where he should have been penalised. And the referee, you can see him put his whistle to his mouth, and then mm. the ball comes out the back, and it's almost like, oh well, let's just get on with this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, so it was on top of the penalties, I reckon there was another three he should have been penalised. And it was quite different actually watching uh, the, the Northern Hemisphere ref, um, you know, with Poit. Um, you know, I think those either one of those first two games could have been quite different if he'd been in charge. He he had a quite a different viewpoint, didn't he? And, I, and this isn't this isn't to say wrong or right. This is just to say different. And uh, it, it very much played to the Lions in this last test, didn't it? Yeah. Look, I think if you look at him, he was the referee when Australia played England in the last end of year tour, mm. and Ben Alexander was up against Joe Marler, who I, I don't think is a very good loose head at all. He's got a long way to go, and. He actually favoured Alexander that day, and I've I've looked at that, and I think Alexander got treated very kindly on that particular day. Mm. And I know England screamed blue murder over Poit's refereeing of the scrum. I think, you know, they were they were valid complaints. But so the last time Alexander was refereed by him, he favoured Alexander. Mm. Um, this time, not that he, night. No, no, he he picked him. He got it completely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's. I think he's going to be in that. He's now in that sort of situation. The same sort of thing that happened with Al Baxter, I think, which is going to be, you know, you, you trot him out, and he's going to have to. He's going to have one hell of a weight of expectation against him, isn't he? Well, two thousand and nine against the All Blacks. Yep, it was twenty five minutes in when Alexander was pulled off because they knew that he was about to get a yellow card. I know the commentators were surprised that Alexander didn't go back on, but I reckon Alexander goes on and packs one more scrum. He's potential to get another yellow card, and that becomes red. Mm. So they had no choice. They couldn't put him back on and risk him. Mm. So It's not very good. At the end of the day, though, end of the series, I think the one thing we've got to say, I mean, I think going into it, we were worried about how the Wallabies were going to stand up at all. And I actually think with some of the selection decisions that happened and some of the way that we were playing... Um, we played with it one hand behind our back, but actually, you know, managed to get pretty close for kind of well, at least uh, sort of five five six of the of, of the of the series, and then um, blew away. But I think what you've got to admit was, you know, the, the better side took the series, didn't they, Timsey? Absolutely, yeah, I think that's clear. I think we got yeah through tenacity and um, just grit mm. from you know the core of the players. We 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 almost. We almost stole it, but uh, it wasn't to be. The best team won. Yeah, well, they just they had a lot of power. And then, and the other thing, and this kind of brings me on to um, our Rabo Direct Player of the Series. Um, and the reason why we call it Rabo the Direct Player of the Series is because they've kind of got the best uh, sort of uh, long-term savings rate. So we're saying that this is why it's the, the best player. He's rated by the uh, guys. Uh, I think he got the official. He got it officially anyway. But then we did a, a, a ranking ourselves on the site and through yeah, popular we don't, vote. We don't believe in official. Exactly. We never so. do. We never do. We always have to have our own. And it was the same guy though. Damn it! Um, because he was that good. It was Lee Halfpenny? Could anyone argue against that? That he was man of the series? No. 
I mean, he was he was just amazing, wasn't he? He was. I mean, the goal kicking obviously was very very important, but again, they played like like I expected they would play in the first two tests. In the third test, and all of a sudden, you saw the completely different side of him. He's no longer just a, a fullback who catches the ball, kicks it back, and then kicks his goals. He's pretty good on counter attack too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. good. Well, he, and he knows, how to, knows how to put someone in space, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I what, think he, he was amazing. What about a Wallaby man in the series? Um, well, I can tell you who got, who got the vote, and I, I, I sense he, he'd probably be the one that we'd... I mean, uh, it was, George Smith? <laughs> <laughs> well, Will Genya took it on, oh, on, on the vote. Um, would you guys disagree? No, I thought he did it. I thought he did a fantastic job as well. Uh, he was um, a, probably a big part of uh, the reason we got as close as we did, yeah. the yeah. way he played. I think the, I think the other two guys who I, I didn't see the vote but would have to be close would be Stephen Moore and Ben Moen. Mm, definitely. Uh, and, and I would have thought James Hall was probably fourth. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, look, I, your, to your point earlier, I thought the pack was really good. I thought our line-out was excellent during mm. the series. Um I thought the scrum, you know, was pretty good except for, you know, I'm not trying to put it all on one guy, but it all came back on the tight head, Ben Alexander. But I thought, you know, the rest of the pack, as you say, our forwards, I thought our forwards were our highlight. Mm, no, definitely. Didn't we, I mean, I, I haven't checked out this, but by, my memory would say we even shaded the line out in the third test. Um, I think we managed to get them to... I think they missed a couple of throws, didn't they? I can, I can tell you that uh, we, we won 11 of 12 and they won 10 of 12. So, yep, they okay. missed two. Just, we only missed one. Just about, yeah. I mean, but that's amazing considering the trouble our line-out's been in um, just recent years. And also the fear after Sharpie finished that, you know, we had no one left to run the line-out. So yeah. that's, that's probably Ben Moen again. Mm. Yeah, Ben Moen was great with his calling. Yeah, you know, there were still some issues that can be improved. That's fine. Uh, Stephen Moore's throwing was fantastic, and because they worked together at, at a franchise level, you know they knew exactly what was going on. Mm. Uh, completely different, and our defensive lineout, we we could still do better, but gee, it was a whole lot better than last year. And it's no disrespect to Sharpie. It's just there were more guys around Moen to help him mm. than Sharpie had around him last year. Mm-hmm. Well, and as we talked about, I do wonder whether. If uh, Deans had had his own selection, whether it would have been as good, um, because you know I kind of feel that you know having a, a couple of guys out had actually strengthened that. But however way it got there in the end, it was looking a lot lot better, and um, that that was one of the things that kept us in in the series really. Um, so I agree with you. The other guy who obviously hit the radar screens, but unfortunately uh, didn't play much in that third test was Izzy Falau, and you've got to say he well and truly put his name on a Wallabies jersey, didn't he? Yeah, great debut. Yeah, not bad. A C- couple of couple of test mates um, uh, against the Lions. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, look, he showed he was brilliant, mm. and let's hope they can re-sign him. All the talk today is that he is going to re-sign. Mm. The other guy that we hardly saw anything of, and it wasn't because he didn't wasn't trying to play well, but I don't think he should have been on the field. George Smith. I mean, after the yeah. bloke couldn't walk off and his knees are wobbling. Mm. I'm just shocked that he passed the test, mm-hmm. and I I have no medical knowledge whatsoever. But gee, that test! 
I don't understand how that works. Well, someone was telling me he was actually back within the 10 minutes. So You've got a certain time frame to answer some questions that you've answered previously, and if you get them all right... Mm. There, then you're, you're classed as okay to go back on, as long as it's within the certain time frame. Um, that we, well, I had a bit of a Twitter chat about it on the night, thinking that he wouldn't come back, and then when he did, there was a bit of you know talk about it, how it all works. And it's an independent IRB doctor, uh, and the the Wallaby doctor doesn't have the final say. So he's passed his tests, but you know takes a lot to break him, but he didn't look quite well, did he? No, jeez. My concern is not with the fact that it was, wasn't independent or anything like that. There was no influence from the Wallabies. There's the test mustn't be rigorous enough. Because, you know, even in my day, if a bloke was like that, couldn't stand up, you just didn't let him go back on. Yeah. You just knew that he shouldn't come back on the field. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it wasn't, he wasn't, I mean, it was literally, he had to, you know, he had an arm around two guys, didn't he? And he was still well, wobbling. I, I watched the first half again tonight before we came on, and his knees were knocking together as he as he tried to get off mm. in the arms of two guys. Yeah, no, that was uh, yeah. I mean, it was that was that was pretty amazing. Um, so I get you know the other thing just to wrap up the series there. I mean, you know, some people had talked about. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely baloney to be honest. Um, some people had talked about you know is there still relevance in the in the uh, Lions concept? And Fuck stuff yeah. like that. I mean, you know, <laughs> any reason why not? I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? I think there's too much money to stop to stop it now, even if you wanted to. Too much money, but it's just a great time. Yeah, yeah. Like, but even if you forget the dollars, look at the crowds. I mean, we achieved record crowds at three stadiums. The midweek games were all, or the non-test games were all really well uh, attended. There was a magnificent atmosphere every time you were anywhere near a game. It was a great thing. And and yeah, everyone's making money out of it. So why stop? No, no, it was it was fantastic. And then the other bit that I've even heard, so <laughs> uh, which probably shouldn't surprise anyone, is I think Bill Pulver started thro- floating it, and then uh, I think Brian O'Driscoll looks like he's jumped on the bandwagon of, a, of an Anzacs, um, basically version to then head up north, um, which well, should, you know generates some more cash. I guess does that make it? Does that make sense? Yeah, he was talking South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, wasn't he? Mm. But then if, if the South Africans don't want to play, we'll just do it Anzacs. Is that right? I, I think... <laughs> no. Haven't you seen the response out of New Zealand today? No, didn't. Oh, the, re- the response out of New Zealand to Brian O'Driscoll supporting it is, are you kidding yourself, Brian? We don't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> I forget Kiwis. which columnist wrote it, but they're, they're pretty a- anti it because they're saying, you know, just come and play us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll um, win the uh, Grand Slam anyway without anyone else, so why would we need you guys? Uh, fair yeah. point. Well, I, I mean, obviously, the driver behind that, I would think, is Pulver realising, you know, he needs to find some money from somewhere. Um, yep. You know, need to cram in some some big series somehow, and that, that sounds like it might be the thinking behind it. We but can't any- wait for 12 years for our... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say, though, that, you know... If they, if you did start doing that, I don't know. You, you, that's when you start kind of cheapening it. I mean, the point is that it is this rarity, um, and you know, some people would say, you know, we're, we're getting into, we're verging on too much rugby anyway, and too much test rugby. You know, test isn't what it used to be. Um, so I don't know. I, too many of these kind of bells and whistles things. I, I wonder um, whether you could flood it um, and, and maybe mm. even potentially kill it. So it'd be nice. Would be nice to see the lion stay the way it is, even if it means waiting another twelve years. Damn it! 
Um, all right, so that's it. I'm, I'm going I'm to call it to a close unless I get any final thoughts or comments on this Lions thing we've done. No, it's done. Yep. Scott, can you let it go? Yep, all finished. Lions tour, over. All right, done. It's over. I just stamped it. Right, so then, um, you know, just when I thought, oh, geez, I don't know if I can go on with rugby any, any longer. It's just too depressing. It all changes. It all happens. And it is amazing how one decision can change everything. So, obviously, I'm talking about... I don't, I don't think... I, don't, I think you're selling it a bit short there. It's changed everything. <laughs> Completely changed everything. Well, it, it, it has. And, and um, I don't know. So, look. But then again, you know, we, we've thought these ways before, haven't we? But obviously, we're talking about the fact that Robbie Deans is no longer the Wallabies coach. Um, I think the official line is that he fell on his sword this morning, even though it had been announced in the press <laughs> yesterday evening <laughs> that he was going. So there's something interesting going on there. Um, he's gone. And yep. probably what surprised us more, though, was like within just a few hours of that being kind of confirmed, it was that Ewan McKenzie is the coach. It's his job. He's got it done. No <sighs> interview procedure no playoff or anything like that that I heard rumours we might be looking at. He's in, he's done. No, we'll he's be searching running. high and low for the best available option. No, they're it's saying just it's all done. Fucking done. So um, out of 10, Timsy, how, how happy are you with that? Man, I, I'm fairly happy. I I, uh, I donned my, my wristband on Saturday night and said it's not coming off until Deans isn't the coach, and I took that off gleefully this morning. <laughs> um... So, you know, it, it, I didn't have to wear it for long. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'd had many discussions over many beverages about uh, how I'd prefer Link to be the new coach. Yeah. And and here we are. I, I, I honestly, in the years prior, I'd lost faith in the ability of the AAU to make a sound decision. And mm-hmm. then they go out and do this. Mm-hmm. Decisive, sound decision. I can't believe it. Something's wrong. Yeah, it's quite amazing, wasn't it? So, Who are you and what have you done with the AAU? <laughs> Scott, what's, what's been your take on the process? Well, Bill Porver today confirmed there was an interview process. Mm. Um, we know through some of the back channels, we were even told the day when Link went for his interview, I think it was about six weeks ago, weren't we? We got that message mm. um, that he was going to Sydney for the interview. Um, he said today he didn't realise it was an interview, but they interviewed Jake White as well. So this has all been done. I think the other interesting thing is that it was approved by the board, and we know the last board meeting was nearly three weeks ago. And Bill Pulver confirmed today when he was asked the question that regardless of the test result on Saturday night, you uh, and McKenzie would still have been appointed today. Mm. So Robbie Deans could have won that game, he could have won the series and Ewan McKenzie was going to be the coach. So there was no emergency board meeting after the game. It was done three weeks ago. It was decided. Ewan said today he wasn't told until the last day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this has all been tucked away for quite a while. They have made a decision. The other thing I thought was really interesting was Bill Paul was asked the question, when were the senior players told? And he said, well, they haven't been told, but we've consulted with the senior players over the last couple of months about the coaching situation. Um, Now, to me, that says that, again, some of the back-channel stuff we got last year that 
there was a lot of unhappiness. It wasn't just one particular player making toxic comments, but no one else was going to say it in public. No one else was silly enough to say it in public. Um, if if they had been consulted over the last couple of months and they had said, he's our man, we want the guy to coach us, one, they're probably not going to have a board meeting and go against the players. Yeah. But two, if they had decided to do that, they would have spoken to some of them in the last couple of days to say, look, you told us you want Robbie, but we've decided to go with Ewan. The fact that they didn't tell anyone means the players must have either said, we don't care, or we're happy for there to be a change. Mm. So the thing is that whilst we were speculating, and even yesterday I was on Twitter trying to put as many stats out as I could to help the process to get rid of Robbie Deans, (laughs) I wasted my time because this was done three weeks ago. Yeah. Well, it's been interesting. There's a theme that's turned up a few times here, and it was very interesting in the – so there's a – there's a press conference from today, uh, which came from Brisbane, and it was Pulver and uh, Mackenzie together. And it's quite fascinating, actually. It goes for ages. I mean, I kept having to go away and come back to it, thinking, oh, it must be finished by now, because I'm, I'm used to these kind of three-minute um, deans. Cliché-driven. <laughs> where, where no one's getting any answers. No one in the press is getting any answers or any answers they can understand. So they just stop <laughs> asking questions. And they only last five minutes. And this thing went on and on and on. And, um, you know, long questions and big answers. It's, it's very much worth having a, a, a watch, actually. It's, um, it's refreshing. It I is indeed. The term you'd look at, yeah. But it's interesting that um, one of the themes that came through there, and it's, it had been one of the things in the press quite a bit, was a lot around this discipline. Um, and, you know, what it's going to mean to be a player uh, under a McKenzie. And there's a couple of quotes here that actually somebody uh, pulled out on the site. Um, he's one of our more avid Queensland readers, Rex Monday. Um, he's had a few times in the cooler, actually. Rex can get a bit heated, but I think he must be a lot happier now. Um, but here it says, like, a couple of quotes he pulled, up, pulled out from Mackenzie. Um, Players will turn up on time from the team bus and wear what I tell them to wear, um, is, is one quote. Another one. It's a representative side. Players don't have the right to be selected because they have a contract that says so. They will be selected because the coach thinks they deserve it. And I think he also used a phrase in there about it's a week-to-week gig. Um, it's a week-to-week contract was the, the, the term he used. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it sounds to me like it was kind of, regardless of results, enough was enough with this kind of wishy-washiness, right? Yeah, that certainly seems to be what it is. And, um, you know, Ewan said in response to that question, the the good part, not saying it's, well, sorry, it was, it was refreshing because the press would ask him questions and he'd give a pretty straightforward answer. There were some things he said, I'm not going to talk to you about that. I'll talk to the players. But he did say... um, that he and Bill, and then Bill Pulver confirmed it, had been talking about a number of issues for a number of months. He then went on to say, I didn't realise that I was talking to him as though it was part of an interview. I thought I was just basically sharing my views on how things could be fixed. And it was all around the discipline. And they said they'd been talking about stuff for a number of months about discipline. Yeah. So, So, I mean, obviously massive. And, I mean, obviously with the revelations that were coming out even just last week, of, oh, yeah. you know, the same two players who'd been at Hungry Jacks missing buses to training and whatever else. I mean, it's just madness. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing that Link said, which, which I really like, is if I have to use the big stick, I will. 
But I don't want to be running around hitting people with a big stick. I want to get them up front. And get it off at the pass. Yeah. yeah, he did. And yeah, and that's part of when you're controlling a group, particularly of young men, um, I know from experience that they think a very different way and you have to find a way to get through to them. And you don't, you can't control them. You can't tell them you will do this or else because they'll actually rebel against you. You have to influence them and nudge them in the right direction. So, you know, a little bit of a nudge there and get you back on track. A little bit of a nudge, good, kept you on track. I'll give you a nudge just in case you get off track next week. You know, and it's, a, it's about just pushing them in the right way because the moment you get into a situation of saying you will do this, you get into a conflict situation and the generation below us or maybe it's two below us, I don't know, I lost count, um, they don't respond well to being told what to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's a it's a working working with them uh, type scenario. Uh, so look, obviously this leads us down a path to thinking. Well, I mean, you know, the possibilities are suddenly feel feel endless, and I, it's just amazing. I guess my tweet was uh, you know confirmed that Ewan McKenzie is now uh, the Australian coach. Uh, doesn't that feel better? And it just it's just got it a, just does. It's got a massive feel good factor, hasn't it? Um, I'm not this, I'm not saying because he's an Australian coach or anything like that. I just I guess we. The thing I like about it, and we've already seen it in this one press conference, is you've just got a better feeling that you can connect with this guy, that you, you kind of know where he's coming from. And I just wonder if not just in a team environment, but then also for all of us, you know, that coach is not just the leader of that one team. He's the leader of, you know, in a lot of ways, Australian rugby, right? We all look to hear what they're talking about to understand where they're going and why they're doing things. And that's been absent for, you know, nigh on six years, isn't it? And I, and I just wonder if, you know, that vacuum now being filled just filled makes a massive difference to all of us as people who are kind of all part of a, of a bigger team. Am, am I over exact? Do you think I'm, am I overplaying that? I, I don't think so. Mm. I've um I, I've been fairly lucky over the last couple of years to spend a bit of time around Ewan and his teams, mm. and um, yeah, it, it's a great feel. I, I think it's. He's just the right sort of guy to to clean it up, to get rid of the arseholes. Mm. Um, and I, I think he's demonstrated in the past many times that one person's not bigger than the team and that's what they need to know. Mm. So, look, before we get on to... Because I think some fascinating questions about what's ahead for Mackenzie. Um, and it does sound like the time to crack another beer, whoever's doing that. Um, we, Guilty. Should <laughs> <laughs> um, we just maybe have a bit of a, a quick... You know, you know, look back, um, hopefully not totally in anger, at the time that, um, uh, you know, Robbie Deans had. It was amazing today. I look back and the actual date that he became Wallaby coach was 17th of December, 2007. So 2007 is a long time ago. That was, George Bush was still the president. So Barack The first Obama, one or the second one? <laughs> it kind of feels like the first, doesn't it? Uh, but you know, yeah. So that, that's you know, these are some of the changes we're talking about. I'm not sure if Twitter existed. Um, you know, a lot has happened um, in the world. Um, you know, what's the journey been like for you, Scott? Has it has it always been a negative one? Or no, I was so positive when hmm. when Robbie Deans was appointed, 2008 and 2009 for me, I was so positive. Hmm. Uh, I even started 2010 being positive. And then in 2010, I was lucky enough to um, 
get a little closer to what was going on and went to a number of coaching sessions with Robbie Deans on the field where he would take, you know, a small group of coaches through what he was doing as part of, you know, the education process and then also going along to watch a lot of Wallaby trainings. And some of the stuff I saw, I just, I must admit, I was thinking, gee, I've got a completely different idea about how you coach and how things work. Mm. And I, I started to have some real concerns. And the more I watched what was going on the field, the more I looked back to what I was seeing when I was lucky enough to go along to these sessions and think, gee, that, that, it's all making sense to me. However, you know, I went through 2011, and by the time we won that Tri-Nations game, I just went, I was going to that World Cup thinking, we will play New Zealand in the final. We've got a good game plan, we've got good players, he's put it all together right at the right time, this is fantastic. And then it Guilty. all went wrong. I was, I was doing the same thing. Yeah. Yep. It, it exactly all fell over for me the day I saw the announcement of the squad. And I realized that they hadn't taken a second number seven. And I just thought, no, no, that's one too many selection oddities too far. And then when I saw the game they were playing, which was completely different to what they played to win the Tri-Nations, mm. you know, this tight game, no mistakes, keep it in the forwards, you know, uh, pick and go, slow it all down. And I just thought, why would you change a winning formula that you had two months ago and as a result, you know, essentially we got dusted at the World Cup. And since then, I must say, I've struggled to find anything positive about the way Robbie Deans is leading the team. The players have fought really hard, but I reckon they've fought really hard with one hand tied behind their back. I think the game plan has been just doesn't suit. I think the selections have been off the charts, and I think it's continued all the way through this line series. And I, I think the ARU must have got to a point, given that it was done three weeks ago, before we even knew what happened with the results, where they knew commercially if they didn't have some circuit breaker, Australian rugby was going to descend into a point where everyone was very negative about it. We were already all too negative, really, but that's because of what was happening. And, you know, we're getting to the point where we know ticket sales have been low so far for the rugby championship, and, and maybe that's because the Lions series is still going. But, you know, definitely after what happened on Saturday, at the end of the day, Australian rugby is a business. If we don't raise the revenue... We lose money, and there's no money to go to clubs and juniors and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So we have to make money out of the game, and if people are negative, disappointed, disillusioned, they won't buy tickets. Sponsors won't come on board, as we've seen, and we all go down the Google. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I think you know that that's an important point, and I can only think that the last you know X months that Pulver must have been at odds with Deans over a bunch of things. And one of them would be the style of rugby. Because Pulver came in and very early he started this mantra of, you know, smart, attacking, running rugby. And yeah, the, that, was, that was the hallmark of his, you know, welcome speech, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. And have we seen it? No. 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 And but he said it again at his press conference exactly. today. Exactly. And he, said, he actually said, I think this is the man who will make sure that we can play what we need, which is smart, attacking, running rugby, which says to me, because I told that idiot at the beginning that if he can't, you know, if, if we can't do this, then it's curtains. And... Deans didn't, um, and on top of that, couldn't keep control of his players. So, 
I think that's obviously why it was, you know, it was going to be curtains because uh, he just couldn't do that. And I agree with you. I think it was, in some ways it's just a no-brainer. Uh, I think it was a great phrase, circuit breaker. Um, but, you know, I just look at myself, you know, somebody who, you know, is, is at, you know, so tied up in rugby. But even I was kind of thinking, oh, the, the bladderzo, I don't know, you know, do I really want to head out? I don't, I'm not so sure. This now, I'm like, damn, yes, of course I want to get out there. I'm yeah. already looking at buying tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on the side looking it up and planning a trip down there. I'm yeah. coming. Well, well, can I tell you what it's done by being the circuit breaker? I know we've talked about the Lions test in here, but as you know, off air, we were sort of saying, do we need to talk about the game? We should just touch on it because we've all moved on. That's all history now. We might have got flogged by the Lions, yeah. but we're now looking forward to a new beginning and I used a hashtag today on Twitter, Wallabies Reborn, because that's what it feels like to me. Mm. We're going forward. We don't have to look backwards. Mm. No, it's, it's quite amazing the difference um, that that can make. Um, hopefully we're not overloading it. I mean, geez, there's still going to be some issues. And maybe this brings us on to the next section that we're going to talk about, which is... Just, um, just before we do, yeah. I know where we're going. Can I, can I, I just want to give you one stat, because yeah. I like this one. Everyone yeah, else probably, every, Well, it's a, it's a sort of stat. It's a historical okay. thing. Everyone else thinks it's boring. Not me. Ewan McKenzie's not the Wallabies coach yet. He becomes the Wallabies coach the day after his QRU contract ends. If the Reds make it to the semi-final of the Super Rugby and they lose, the date he begins will be the 28th of July 2013. By absolute fluke, that will be 34 years to the day since Dave Brockhoff, the last Wallaby to coach the Wallabies, actually coached them. No! To, to the day, the 28th of July, 1979. Oh, dear. It's fate. That's fantastic. It's fate. It's meant oh. to be. It's meant to be. It's in the numbers. We do want the Reds to go beyond the semi-final, but oh, if they were to lose in the semi-final, it'll be 34 years to the day. <laughs> well, you know, actually, and just before we finish on, on, on Robbie, I mean, I'd say... It's been a weird one because we've got to the point, um, you know, actually, because I've had discussions with people uh, in our round Green and Gold Road because I think we can get a, as a site, we've got, you know, maybe a bit of a reputation, which is that we can be, you know, are we being negative? Have we been negative about Australian rugby? And our thing, actually, I remember, uh, you know, a couple of years into Robbie Dean's reign, we were having problems because we had people who were saying, you guys are being too positive. You know, there are obvious, there are obvious problems here and da, da, da. And where we went with was always, look, this is a program and, you know, the whole O'Neill and Dean's line was judge us on the World Cup. You know, there's a plan here. We're trying different things so that by the time we get there, we'll, we'll have what we have. And, and it looked like it was starting to just come together, like you said, Scott. But it was when that obviously didn't come together and it fell together in such a bad way and, and in such a bizarre way. Um, and then we had all these, you know, shenanigans where contracts started getting renewed before the World Cup and da 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 That's when, for me, it was over. And it was, you know, I just took them at their word. Judge us on the World Cup, and we did, and it was an unmitigated failure. Um, and the fact that it didn't get fixed there was then, you know, and then things only, you know, kind of really got worse. Um, you know, that's when we couldn't not tell the truth anymore, and that's kind of where we are. From our point of view, you know, we just want, you know, gosh, you know, it's so much better for us when the, when the uh, team does well and the country does well, and that's what we want. Personally, anyway, we're all Aussie rugby fans. So, anyway, anything that gives us that hope, you know, that we've got that positivity going forward, I mean, how different that's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, 
already, and, and I'm already waiting for the people to tell us that we're being too positive. Too positive, yeah. <laughs> um, which could happen. So look, let's let's move forward to, to Link. And the other thing, just moving on to him, I'll just say, understandably, I mean, we all know how much he's been wanting this for a while. I mean, I, I don't think you have to be on the inside to know that. Um, he's made it clear that this has been what he wants to get. And it's great, actually, to see someone who's, who's gone through that and done that. Um, he talks about it again. Have a look at this press conference because it's written all over his face, um, just what it means to him, and and how hard he's he's, he's worked to get there. Are you going to say something, Tim? No, no, no. Oh, I thought I heard it. In take a breath. Were you just getting teary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moment's getting to me, man. Uh, um, so, but let's just for a minute talk about. So, you know, wow what the guy's got ahead of him. I've no doubt he's got massive plans in place already. He's been talking about it for uh, and thinking about it for years. Um, I know it was in the press a little while ago. He said he's already got the plan to beat the All Blacks. Um, I just want to talk about what we think his um, you know, main priorities will be going forward. Now, Scott, I know, because in in, today he said there's like a thousand things he needs to, to do. And I know you've already gone through and figured out, is it six? That would be your top six? Yeah, I've only got six. Okay. Well, what I think is, it's up to you. We can do it now. But what if we only just take each of our number ones? I reckon that's... I want to start. That would be a great article someone, from you. Gonna, if, if you get time. Someone's going to steal my things. Because what I also would like to do is I'd like to hear from the listeners because I'm going to announce a little competition in a minute um, uh, that, just, for, for, for this weekend. Um, but let's start off with ours. Timsy, I'm going to go with you first. Yep. What do you think is yep. his number one thing he needs to get sorted? Or get what he, what's on? Souls. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I actually um. I, I, the no dickheads policy. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a quote that I've I've read before from Sir Alex Ferguson about <laughs> someone asking what his success was, and you yeah. know he says uh you know get first step is get rid of the arseholes. Yeah. I, I've actually been doing some googling, and I I can't find actually when he said that. So I, I don't know if it's you know one of those things about it's true because I read it on the internet but yeah, yeah. it just fits he's, got to, he's going to get rid of the arseholes it's the first thing he's going to do he's going to fucking set a culture and this is how it's going to be you you want to make my team you follow these rules you'll dress what I want you know you'll dress in what I say you'll be on the bus and I tell you to be there or you won't be playing simple as that I don't care who you are it's and he will get rid he, of the arseholes uh, it's a quote that he made to Stuart Lancaster the England rugby coach is that what it was yep and and he said exactly that he said what's your number one thing and and you you described it perfectly Except I, I the version i've heard doesn't use assholes it uses it uses the c bomb but anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, i've cleaned it up thanks uh, mate you know, yeah it's good i appreciate actually that read the email of rules okay. <laughs> <laughs> um it's an interesting one though that right so you know, we say that, but it doesn't sound like, or you know, that he's just going to come down with an iron fist, does it? I mean, you know, his whole thing is Gen Y is different. You know, I don't want it all to be carrots. So, what do you do? I mean, what does that but look you, like? You can't, you can't go to. Let's take those two particular players that everyone's talking about. Hmm. You cannot go to them and say, if you don't toe the line, you're out, or you will be banned for a week or whatever else. It does not work. I promise you it doesn't work. Um, you know, I've raised a son who's now 24, and it doesn't work when you're dealing I'm raising with... A, I'm raising a 14-year-old daughter. It doesn't work. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've also got a daughter, Timsey, so I know that. But, yeah, but young work. men, young men are going through... <laughs> <laughs> young men have got testosterone involved. They think they know everything, as I did when I was that age. Mm. I, when I... 
Because one of the things I had to learn, and I wasn't very good at this, I'll admit, was, you know, I was very much the disciplinarian. You know, the rules are the rules and the rules are the rules and the rules are never broken, ever, ever, ever. And then I had to, you know, one of the things that I actually, I think I've got better at, I've still got a long way to go, but is to think back about what I was like. And I tell you what, I remember when I was in my, you know, late teens and early 20s, someone tells me what to do, I'll probably do the opposite. Mm. So it doesn't work. So you nudge them in the right direction. Mm. And, you know, on that particular thing, you know, it may well be that you've got to split those two blocks. Pick one of them in your squad and not the other. Because it just seems that those two guys in particular, when they get together or go out or are in an environment, they're just not good for each other at the moment. Well, here's the thing. One of those two guys is being fought over by two provinces. The other, one, <laughs> the other one's been sacked and, and can't get a job. <laughs> so, the other one's being fought over. No, you have him. No, you have him. Yeah. <laughs> He's yours. You touched him last. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think we probably have an idea of, uh, you know, of who's who in that scenario. But, yeah, so you're sort of saying, look, actually, you, you use the ultimate sanction to start with. And it's not a case of this is, you know, here's our discipline code for you to be part of. It's like, mate, you're just not part of it at the moment. And, and here's what it would need to look like for you to get back. Yeah, but you also, you also wouldn't go to them and say you're not part of it because you missed a bus mm. or because you're at Hungry Jack's. Mm. You never, you'd never go near that. You'd be sitting down and saying, look, you don't fit in the squad this time because of X, Y, Z, but this is what I want you to do because I see you as a valuable member and I want you to come back and I'm going to ring you every week and I'm going to do... And that's what Link was talking about investing up front. Mm. You start dealing with issues up front. You don't make the issue, you missed a bus. Because yeah. if, if you do that, uh, you know, you, and you also make a rud for your own back. Mm. They miss that bus five minutes, you know, or they're one minute late some other time, and you've said if you're ever late again, you're gone. Yeah. Well, if they're one minute late because the lift broke down, it's not or their a fault. Stop no. them or, yeah. Whatever. Like, it could be a genuine excuse. You make a rod for your own back. Mm. Yeah. All righty. That, 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 that's the first. That's number, uh, that's number one for you, Timsey. So. Yep. Scott, can you can you're you... going to go to number two because I've got six. So I know, but I'm, I'm trying so... to work out how I can get down to one. I don't want to give it. I don't see. I I want you to save your six. I reckon we should turn that into a quick post. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, can you give me one one that wasn't Timsey's that's at the top of your list for link? I, I can't do a post. I'm too busy. <laughs> can I can I have three? <laughs> if, you, if you've got them written down, send them to me, and I'll I'll, I'll get it posted. Well, okay. the, the, the other bit is because the competition is, I'd like the guys who are listening. To give to, to give theirs, and I don't want you to do all their, their homework for them, mate. Is is where I'm coming from. Um, so what can you what can you give me? Okay, well I'll tell you that of the six I had, yeah. Number one, Timsey got, and I'm sorry, I'm not yeah. saying this, not saying this is in order, yeah, but yeah. I actually wrote down six, and the first one I wrote down was pretty much the same, no dickheads policy. Yeah. I've got another four that revolve around positions on the team, not particular players. But positions that we need to fix, and I'll so my one, mm-hmm. I'll use and I'll say that Link has, and I know he will, has to introduce a more varied game plan. And by that I don't mean some people have you know when I put up some tweets the other day saying, you know Ashley Cooper only touched the ball or Leela Fano, and everyone's saying you can't go wide before you go forward. I agree, you must go forward. We went forward in this line series, mm. but then on the back of going forward, 
you have to be able to play wide as well. You can't just keep going through the middle because the opposition can deal with you then. And yep. They get used to it. And I, I by no means advocate that we have to fling it wide off every single ball. Um, I mean, we, you know, we just need something that actually builds around our strength and when we get an opportunity, do something with it. And I'll give you an example out of the third test. And you might have seen it. Off the line-out play sometime in the first half, uh, I forget the time, but it was just after Israel Deans had gone off. Uh, sorry, Israel Folau had gone off. <laughs> Israel <laughs> <Deans>. <laughs> I almost got caught between Israel Dag and Deans and Folau. <laughs> Folau had gone off like five minutes before. Just say easy. We, You'll be right. yeah, we had a line-out inside the Lions 22. We catch the ball. The pass goes. It's a long ball to O'Connor, who stands, doesn't take a step. It throws a long ball out to Ashley Cooper who throws a long ball out to Palu, who's standing out almost on the wing with um, Douglas behind him. And I must admit, when I was looking at it, I was thinking, what are we doing just flinging the ball wide? We're not going forward at all. So I, you know, I agree with that concept. They then turned that around with off that phase. It was a pre-planned move. It's a two-phase move. On the second phase, ball back to O'Connor and kick it to the right wing, where Israel Folau was going to be. Mm. Only problem was Israel Folau had gone off five minutes before and it was Joe Tamani versus George North who, of course, got up higher than him. And yeah. you know, So we actually had someone had thought about we're going to run this move, but they were so pre-programmed and they were so, you know, we must follow this. It was almost like an Eddie Jones move, to be quite honest, that they'd forgotten that Folau's not out there anymore. And... You know, I just think we need some more variety in our game plan. We, and Link said it today, or sorry, Bill Pulver said it today. We need to be smarter to beat teams like the All Blacks and the Springboks. The All Blacks are a wonderful side. I know I saw the Fox ad today for the first time about the Lions or on the recording where they talk, Greg Martin said, the Lions are the best team in the world. Well, I don't think they are. I think the All Blacks are an awful lot better than the Lions. Yeah. So we've got more firepower coming at us in five weeks' time. And I think they were right in that press conference today. The way to beat them is to be smarter, not just keep running the same tired old game plan. So that's my number one. Okay. And, 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 I'll, and I'll follow on with that just, just a little bit. But it, it's been a hallmark of you and McKenzie coach teams that they will have a game plan that suits the opposition. Mm. And they'll do it well. Yeah. Well, you know, tailored to the opposition, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And he made you the know, same point in the press conference today. Mm. He said, there are, I've got some ideas, but they'll change every week. Mm. No, that, that, and that'll be so good, won't it, to, to watch those and, and see those things come out rather than watching games and <laughs> wondering... Um, what the fuck will come out? Yeah, <laughs> what, what was that mess? It seemed to be the same mess as the weeks before. Um, yeah, that, that, that'll be fantastic, uh, seeing all of that. Um, the bit that... And he talked about this, actually, um, as, a, as a key thing for him. Probably my number one where I've got to is to understand who our best players are in, our, in, in positions. Um, I was at a, a rugby network meeting last night at the Sydney Rugby Club, and Mark Eller was speaking. And it was one of the things he said. He said, you know, my, he said, give me that forward pack and put, you know, the 91, um, uh, sorry, the 2001 back line, the, you know, the... Um, you know, the 99 back line, the 91 back line behind them, the 80, well, the 84 back line, and we would have carved anyone up. He said, the problem is at the moment is, who is our back line? 
you know, who is playing in which positions? Um, and are they experts in what they do? Do they have those skills? Um, and at the moment, you know, the back line, some of those things, I think also there's some things that, you know, are seen to be working themselves out in the pack and they've got better this time around. But it's just to understand who, who they are. And I guess I wrote an article about it is that it's not always just whoever the, the X Factor guy is, we have to slot in somewhere. Um, but that we get some real experts. Um, and obviously one of those key positions will be 10. And that's a whole nother conversation about then what happens with Quade Coop and whatever else that I think we should probably keep for another pod slam. But, yes, um, there's plenty of material there. Yeah, but he, I mean, you know, Link talked about it today. He said, I want to have three people. I want to know who my top three people are and I'm going to change that weekly as far as who are the top three people in each position because I want to know who my best team is. Um, and um, that to me was quite promising. And But I think that's, at the moment, that's quite a task if you look at Australia because you, you, know, you, you know what's going forward. Just to touch on that point, and, and, and Israel Folau, I reckon, is probably one that crosses over between the X-Factor player, as you described in mm. your article, and the solid player yeah. who does you know, all the things, the work they need to do. I would have thought he was our number one gun player to get the ball to in that third test. Do anyone got a different view on that? Uh, no, and I think the Lions no, no, are no. crapping themselves about it, yeah. Yep. So how many times did we pass the ball to him in the 27 minutes he was on? Once, after he left. <laughs> no, that, we kicked it to him then. Yeah, That's yeah. right, sorry. I think, twice. I, was it twice? I was going to say once, twice. yeah. Well, twice he got the ball from a pass. He, ca- he caught a kick, you know, so he touched it three times. And in a counter-attack, someone dumped it off to him as they were getting tackled and he didn't get anywhere, but... Twice was it actually, in the first twenty-seven minutes. Was it actually twenty-seven minutes he was on? I would have said he was on for ten. It was twenty-seven. God. Okay. But you know, th- there's the point. If you're gonna, and they've set up a whole play to play, and they waited till he was off the field to run it. Yeah. And we had other opportunities to run it. Mm. If you think about it, after three minutes, we're down seven nil. We had kick it easy. Well, no. Well, we had a penalty, and we kicked the ball down into their twenty-two instead of going for goal. James Hall said, no, we're right on the touchline. It's a hard kick. Kick it to touch. Why didn't we run that play in that line-out after three minutes? Instead, we waited to 30 minutes when he was off the field to run it and kicked it to a short guy with big George North jumping over the top of him. Yeah, mad. You know, just we're not using our assets, and it, which is what I think Mark Eller uh, was saying in your thing last night, it sounds like. No, yeah, for sure. Actually, yeah, that was a... That was great. Some of these these uh, discussions at these um, rugby network meetings are, are fantastic for that. But so look, I know you've 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 got more there, Scott, and so we'll, we'll get those off you. But what I want to do is to say, so look, we've got the Reds playing the Tars um, out at ANZ Stadium. The Tars have kindly given us um, a, a few double passes, and what I'd like to offer here is um, two double passes uh, to anybody who's listening um, who can then give us. What you think Link's uh, top priority needs to be, um, it, it could be one of the ones we've talked about, but maybe from a different angle, maybe it's a different one, um, and, but you know, what do you think he really needs, needs to focus on um, in the coming weeks uh, to get Australia where they need to be? You know, give us what the priority is, and, you know, a paragraph of your thinking, um, and um, anyway, the, the top ones that we think are like, wow. Um, we'll, uh, you know, you'll get a double pass um, to uh, th- this this match, um, which is uh, twenty to eight uh, this weekend at ANZ Stadium. 
Um, there are tickets going. It's twenty bucks for an adult, ten bucks for a junior, fifty bucks for a family of four. Why pay? Just just write down something exactly. That you get too. I mean, it's cheap to get in, but you could get them for free. Um, these double passes. Just the other thing I was going to say is they've actually got a, a pre-game on, um, which is going to be Newington versus Trinity at uh, the Curtain Razor at five forty. So that's out at ANZ. Anyway, so there's two sets of double passes to get. You know, put something down um, either by was it by end of play Thursday, in the comment section of this podcast, and you know if you, if either through poor numbers or through the brilliance of your writing you get chosen, you'll get a, you'll get a double pass which you'll get uh, for the weekend. Um, so, so what do you do? You put them in the comments to the podcast. Yeah, comments to the podcast. Um, I can do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got four that I can put in. I might win one. <laughs> If you're going to come down, mate, they'll be yours if you win it. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give people a clue as to what my remaining four are. <laughs> Three of them relate to forwards, only one for backs. Okay, there you go. But yours don't, you know, I'll just say to people listening, yours don't have to match. Um, no, no, I know that. <laughs> but I just, you know. Just giving them a bit of fodder. Um, yeah, we, we know for a fact there's a thousand to choose from. <laughs> so don't limit yourself to the six or seven that we've put out here tonight. Exactly. There you go. Alrighty. So hopefully somebody can pick those up. Um, and so that's the link news. Anything else on there? Um, yes. I think there is. Okay. Shoot. I put on I put on Twitter today, and and I I thought there were some interesting responses. Mm-hmm. In the professional era of the Wallabies, which is I think the only thing you compare to. I don't think you can look back at the amateur era. The Wallabies pre-Robbie Deans won 65.98%, so 66% of their games. Um, With Robbie Deans, it's been 58.11, so 58%. I think for this year, I mean, first goal should be to get back to that 66%, which pretty much equates to winning eight of the remaining 12 games. Mm-hmm. And then I saw there were a number of people on Twitter saying, well, no, 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 all that matters, we've got to win the Bledisloe. That's the key. And, I, I mean, I'd love to see us win a Bledisloe this year, but I don't know that is the key. I, I, I'm more interested in, you know, we win eight or nine of our 12 remaining games because I don't see this as being a miracle cure. I don't see it all turning around straight away. There are some player issues, which are some of these things that we're going to have people put their thoughts on. There's things that have to be fixed that haven't been addressed over the last couple of years. I don't see it's all fixed with Link appointed and we're going to win the Bledisloe this year. It'd be great if we did. But I mean, quite honestly, I reckon if we win one out of three in the Bledisloe, that'll be all right. I actually think we might be a chance for the Grand Slam because yeah, that's, Link, what, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, he will have had time to mould the team, um, and I'd I'd love to see us finish at least second in the Tri Nations. If we do better than that, I think it's outstanding, and that that may be a bit of a honeymoon period. But I don't think we should be expecting we're just going to bolt out the door and win the Bledisloe in year one, oh, and all yeah, of a sudden yeah. we're going to be the number one team in the world. There's it, it's not just an easy fix. Yeah, I you know oof. I'll put. I've, I think you're talking a lot of sense. Um, and Tim's, is it just me, or are you, are you are using a Darth Vader voice modulator? <laughs> oh, no, I, no, I'm not. <laughs> you, you are. <laughs> really? really? Yeah. I'm your father. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sure it'll, it'll sort itself out in a minute. But here's another viewpoint. 
which is, as we've just been discussing, that pack actually did really well in this series against, you know, uh, pretty much some of the best that the Northern Hemisphere could throw at us, um, well, the home nations at least. Um, and actually, as we talked earlier on, we really played with one hand behind our back with just some craziness as far as game plan, as far as uh, positional selections, all sorts of things. And I just wonder if we could dare to dream. And, and I wonder if Link looks at it and goes, you know what, I know how this pack can play. We've seen how well they've managed to do in their super, you know, we've done against teams across the ditch in super season this season, which has been unusual, um, how well they've been playing. And that's been because they've been well coached, right? We've got three provinces being well coached at the moment. Um, and, and, and actually another in the Rebels having a go every now and again. I wonder if he's sit there thinking, you know what, I think we've actually got for the first time uh, s some platforms that actually you could make some really quick hits with just by putting people in the right positions and, you know, having a no dickheads policy. And that just shouldn't take too long to, to fix out. Now, the one thing, though, that I go with what you're saying with Scott is that, you know, it doesn't, isn't it, we have to win two games in, in New Zealand to make it work this year? Well, it's two games in New Zealand, so we need to win our home one, which I had got wrong today. I thought the first two were in New Zealand, but we're at home first up. Right. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, we're, we must be a good chance of winning that. I agree totally. Yeah. The other thing, too, is we may catch them a little bit off guard. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't think we'll, we'll <laughs> catch them. I don't think we'll catch them unready, but Link's, yeah. it's probably a good chance for someone who's been thinking about it for a long time to put something out there that they may not expect. Yeah. Look, so I reckon we're a really good show in the first Bledisloe. Mm. I agree with that, and we should, that should be a definite target. To then win, you know, one out of the remaining two in New Zealand, it, it's certainly a possibility. None of them are at Eden Park. <laughs> and and I'd, I'd love to see us do it, and I'm, I think we should be shooting for it. But, you know, I think also it would be a great thing if we're under-promising and over-delivering. Mm. I think if, if we all get the expectation that we're going to win the Bledisloe this year... And then we don't. You know, we're looking at it and going, oh, you know, we're stuffed. We'd, you know, This is about, and I like the way the AA have you done it. They've done it for two years. So Link has got between now and the end of the World Cup. And if it doesn't go well, we shouldn't be afraid to make a change in two years' time. If he doesn't work, we don't have to then say, oh, yeah, but give him another four years. If it's not working, make a change. There's yeah. nothing wrong with change. But I, I think judging somebody on the first, you know, tournament, which is the rugby championship, I think that's probably asking a little too much. In in our favour though, at least we at least the coach now doesn't think that the all blacks are unbeatable. Uh, yes. Oh no. <laughs> he and I love the way he kept saying, I am excited. I can't wait to have a crack at them. What a way to start. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Where yeah, like you say, versus the self defeatism we'd got into. Um <laughs> So, uh, okay. So I think that's just, that, that, that's about it on link for now. I'm sure we, we'll, this will be a running commentary um, just about every week between now and forever um, as we talk about him. And we've managed to avoid the, the, the Quade Cooper discussion because that will be a doozy when we get to it. Because um, there's some uh, so other news. Uh, I touched on it earlier on, I guess, um, around the place in, in Super Rugby before we finish off. Um, some big changes at the Melbourne Rebels. So Damien Hill is gone. Um, and, you know, jumping before the clean-out happened is um, Totality Tony, um, who's has moved across. I'm trying to remember his real name now. 
Tony McGann. Tony McGann <laughs> um, has moved from sort of director of coaching um, with the Wallabies to uh, take on the Rebels. Um, and obviously that's something that's a real concern for the AOU now, I guess, because not you know, notionally the Rebels are now being run by Vict- Victorian Rugby Union, but I, I guess that all comes back on the AOU financially if it goes tits up. Um, so obviously they figure they need to, they needed to sort something out there. And I guess also Tony probably realised that there was going to be a change at the, at the ARU and I guess this is a way for him to, just to stay involved. Uh, surprised, Scott? Um, no. No, I think that was, that's was that been mooted for a while that he was interested in moving. Um, I guess what that does, you know, and I know we're getting on to Super Rugby, but sort of just quickly harking back as to who will be Link's assistants. So, he's got some ideas, we know that. Uh, yeah, no, he's got some ideas, and I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, and I've always said that I thought if he moved, that Jim Mackay from the Reds yep. would go with him yep. as his backs coach. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's, he's the guys that are left, and he's talked about the guys that are there, he'll talk to them, he'll have a think through. The guys that are left, he's got Andrew Blades as a forwards coach. Um. Notionally, he's got Nathan Sharp as a line-out consultant, not a coach. Mm-hmm. And he's got Nick Scrivener as skills coach, I think his description is. Yeah, that's it. Um, so there's no backs coaches there at all. So no. he, needs, he, need, he definitely needs a backs coach. I can't imagine that he's going outside of guys he knows. And it's season's about to start in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, are there any guys in the Australian setup? That have been performing really well as backs coaches. Mm, I think Jim McKay might be leaving the Reds. Um, Tony McGahn, yep, we un- we've understood for you know. Well, the rumour has been that he hasn't been totally happy with the setup in the Wallabies. So I whether- thought he was brought in to hold a clipboard. Well, <laughs> that that might be slightly demeaning. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him holding a clipboard a lot at training, yes. uh, and and he certainly you know organises timings of drills. And if the drills aren't done on that one second, well, that's it. The drill's over. Mate, well, that, when you're a coordinator, that's you know that's what you yeah, yeah. do. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he's coordinated it well, um, but uh, there have certainly been lots of rumours that he wasn't happy with his role at the Wallabies and the way it was going. So, and he was mooted very early on to go to the Rebels. I wouldn't be surprised, though, to see Damien Hill still stay there in some sort of role. And it may well be that he's the backs coach for the Rebels. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it's a, I think the Rebels are building a pretty good squad. They've signed some really good guys. Um, Damien Hill has galvanised the team. And it's interesting he's come out and said that the, the Kirtley Beale incident galvanised the team. Somebody more senior... And Tony McGahn has had a very good re- track record with Munster. Somebody more senior may just be able to galvanise that group just a little better, and they may well take the option not to lose Damien Hill, who the players like. There's lots of the guys that I have had some association with like him. Mm-hmm. So they may well keep him on board in some role. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, for the guys, I mean, it's, you know, it's his first step on from club rugby. Um, and you know that's always going to be you know unless it was a fairy tale and he took on you know a new uh, team um, at the same time it was always going to be tough for him and you know for a while there it looked like it was going to finish on a disaster but I think most people don't you know I don't think that's the way it's looked on now 
um, I think a lot of people are saying, well, actually, he had a core of a good team by the end of that. Mm. Um, it would be interesting to know what was sort of going on behind the scenes as far as, you know, the the, the, the bigger players and the, the marquee players that they had um, and, the, and the trouble they've had with them because they've, God, they had some doozies in there, haven't they? Um, wasn't, wasn't it interesting that James O'Connor is, it's announced the day before Tony McGann's announced as head coach that they're not going to re-sign him? And, and they have said that they did check with him before they made the decision. So Tony McGann's coming in. He's known James O'Connor through his time at the Wallabies, and he said, yep, no, I don't want him. Yeah. <laughs> so, the incumbent Wallaby fly half, yeah. not wanted. Well, if he doesn't go to the Perth, I, I, I'm hearing there's no other options. So that's, um, that's pretty fascinating. Um, okay, so what, about, what else on uh, Super Rugby? Because uh, we've talked Super about... Rugby. Yeah, yeah, we've talked. What about the table? Well, I'm, I'm having to open it up. I mean, I, I'm, well, I'm, I'm that I'll switched tell you what off. I'm that switched I'll tell you off. what it is. Well, I was until today too, yeah. but I knew we were doing <laughs> this, so yeah. I checked. I did some background work, mm-hmm. trying to keep up with Tim's research. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got it. I've, I've got it here as well. I don't know if you. <laughs> but the top six is decided, so it's all over and done with. We know that it's the Bulls, Chiefs, Brumbies, Crusaders, Reds, and Cheetahs. Mm-hmm. So we got two sides in, as we talked about last week. The two sides. It, oh, that's right. I didn't. I hadn't looked at it that way. Yes, every each fran, each conference has got two teams in. So it's really coming down to in New Zealand, the Crusaders have got to win with a bonus point and hope the Chiefs get nothing. If that happens, they'll top their table. Um, in South Africa, uh, the Bulls will finish one. So the question is, do they finish one on the table? But it would look like they'd probably finish one or two in the table. The yeah. Brumbies, well, the Brumbies the, the, have got, yeah. Go on. got the Brumbies have got the force away. You'd think there's some points in that for the Brumbies, mm. so they could force themselves into the top two and get a week off. There's a possibility of that, and it, it comes down, I reckon, really to the Chiefs. The Chiefs are playing the Blues away on Saturday, in the early game for us on Saturday. Mm. The Blues, you know, went really well and then the wheels fell off a couple of weeks ago in their, on their South African tour. You never know. It's at Eden Park. If they could beat the Chiefs, the Brumbies could just sneak into second place and get a week off. So, yeah, and, there are a couple of fascinating matches, actually, those Kiwi ones from that perspective, aren't they? Yeah, and then you've got Crusaders-Hurricanes um, and the... Uh, the Hurricanes, you know, haven't had a great run recently. But as I said, the Crusaders need five points. And the way they played last week, gee, they're looking ominous. They are looking really ominous. Mm. And then basically it comes down to if the Reds lose against the Tars and don't pick up a point, they'll actually finish sixth yep. because the Cheetahs have already got a bye and they will finish with one more win than the Reds. So the Reds could finish anywhere between third and sixth, depending on what, how they go and what, how others go. Yep. Uh, I'm hoping that the, uh, the Chiefs um, don't get there and the Brumbies go well and the Brumbies finish second and get a week off because then we won't have any possibility the Australian teams playing each other in the first week. Mm. If, they, if they don't, if the Chiefs win and the Brumbies win and the Reds don't win, we could have the disaster scenario of the Brumbies playing the Reds. 
So yeah. we knock each other out. Which yeah, it'd be nice if um, if the Crusaders could lose and the Reds could win with a bonus point, which would well, give that, us that would actually uh, get the Reds a home of, game. A home game. That's yeah, right. I mean, they're so important those home games. Um, uh, yeah, amazing. And especially well, and if you can get in those top two, so that you say you know you've got that that week off and a home game, um, mm. even better. Yeah, I don't think I don't think a week off's particularly a good thing for the Australian teams. I think. Uh, they've already had so much time off to go play a week, then have another week off. I don't know whether that'd be a good thing. But but a home was, semi though is that's oh yeah the the home game is always worth shooting for. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, the home the home game means that both if if the Chiefs have the home game, the Bulls have the home game. That'll mean the Brumbies will have a home game, and the Reds would have a home game. Yeah. So that's that's good for Australia. If we have two home games, it'll be against the Crusaders and the Cheaters. Much much better. If we have two home games, we can't meet until the final. Yeah. So yeah. that works well as well. Mm. Okay. So we want the Chiefs. We don't care what happens with the Chiefs. We. No, no. We need the Chiefs to beat the Crusaders. Sorry. The Hurricanes are playing the Crusaders. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. So we just need the Crusaders to lose. Yep, and the Reds to win with the bonus point. I'm happy with that. Okay, so Crusaders lose, Reds with the bonus point, and we get two home finals, which is the perfect outcome. Otherwise, we could end up with the Brumbies playing the Reds in Canberra. So what a spanner that the Tars could throw in the works. So look, what I'll just do is quickly run through what these fixtures are for people sat here thinking, what the hell's going on? Um, <laughs> Fri- We're confused too. Yeah, Friday is Crusaders versus Hurricanes in the Arvo, and then you've got Rebels hosting the Highlanders. Um, and then Saturday you've got Blues hosting uh, the uh, Chiefs and the Waratahs um, hosting the Reds. And then the force hosting the Brumbies after that. So, wow, that's one hell of a night. It's a good night, eh? And then you've got Sunday Sharks uh, with the Southern um, Kings and then the uh, Stormers hosting the Bulls. So, really, the the juicy games we're talking about here is the Crusaders, Friday Arvo. Um, I think, was it the Blues and Chiefs? Waratah Reds and uh, Force Brumbies, which you'd hope would, would be... Foregone conclusion, but not quite. So by the time we get to the Waratahs and Reds, mm. the Reds will know what they have to do. Yeah. Because the other teams that are that will affect them have played. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's easy to forget just how, how how close this is getting now. Isn't that amazing? Because last year, remember, it was Reds-Tars in the final round and the Reds had to get the bonus point to finish first in the conference. Mm. Yep. Otherwise, they weren't in the finals. Mm. So the Reds are going to face two years in a row playing the Tars where their game will hinge on where they finish. Wow. That's it's all be... in their own hands. And aren't they even talking about, I think, is it, um, Ganya's definitely out, I think, isn't he? Isn't he being rested? Is and it? they're talking about Horwell. I no. haven't heard any definite. No, that was a joke about Ganya being rested. All oh, right, well, okay. I've heard two, well, I've, they're the two stories I've seen floating around about, you know, questions like uh, reported in notable papers saying, you know, will they be rested? Well. Oh. No, I've heard that was just a somebody started that rumor. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, we'll see. I understand, I understand they're both fit. Okay. Ready it, to go. Well, important game, so you'd, you'd hope so. We, um, should, we should get a guest on. Yeah, why not? Right there, right there. Right there.
So joining us now, we've got Cam Crawford from the Waratahs. Mate, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, very well. Thanks for having me on. No, well, well, great to talk to you. I mean, you should probably thank us after. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait to see how it goes. We'll yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Reserve judgment. Um, mate, look, we thought maybe we'd start from the very beginning. Um, how did you kind of get into rugby in the first place? Um, I guess I just played my junior rugby uh, with my Linfield club, um, mainly because I just enjoyed watching it on TV and my dad was very much into rugby, so that's sort of how I started and um, never looked back since, just really enjoyed the game um, as a youngster and continued on. And it was is that that oval at Tryon, Tryon Road, is it? Linfield. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, with all those other little kids running around on Tuesday and Thursday night, so it's a good place to be. Well, I've taken my youngster down there a couple of times. I'm, I'm, they're a bit thuggish down there at Linfield, mate. What have you got to say about that? I think they're a bit rough. <laughs> no, I think, Take um, him out of cotton wool, oh. Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they, no, they go well. It's a good club there. No, it's a good one. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'm going to reminisce even further. I used to play uh, touch rugby down on the bottom oval. You know the one right down the back? Um, yep, with, the yep. Lin, with the Linfield Lily Whites on a Sunday morning, but um, <laughs> we, were, we were kind of bigger has beens than um, Scott Allen was talking about off air there. So it's anyway. Um, look, so kicked off with Linfield, but then uh, you played on at uh, school level, was that right? Yep, um, went to Sydney Grammar, which isn't too renowned for its um, rugby prowess, but yeah. played played all through there um, from the junior school up until year twelve and. Then on to North um, at a Colts level, and and actually, uh, Timsy, you you picked up some some wiki scandal there, didn't you, mate? About Cam's yeah. career. Yeah, yeah. Doing the the due diligence and checking out Wikipedia, which is usually where it ends. I, I actually noticed that one of the lines here says, "As a schoolboy, you, know, you represented City Grammar School, and you were selected in the combined GPS second fifteen, kept out of yeah. the first fifteen by Curtly Beale. Is that how you remember it? Um, yeah, well, I guess we're both playing the same position, so we're both fly halves at that stage. And he obviously made first. He was um, pretty handy schoolboy rugby player, so I wasn't too ashamed to to take um, GPS second. So it was a good experience. So, mate, were you? I mean, because you're a pretty big fella now. Um, were you always that size and shape when you were playing fly half? Uh, definitely not. I was probably almost as tall, but uh, little. Little lighter, I think. I was a bit on the gangly side. Okay. Well, obviously did okay. I mean, how? Who kind of? Who did? What sort of players were you looking up to then? As you kind of in your formative years, who were the big influences? Um, yeah. Well, I went and watched the Waratahs a lot, actually, sort of week to week. Um, again, with my dad, which got me into it, and grew up watching Matt Burke, and then um, in terms of playing five eight. Steve Larkin as well, which will probably embarrass him a little bit if he hears that, but um, <laughs> uh, just because he coached me recently. But those two guys from Australia were very influential, and um, another guy I liked was Christian Cohen. Okay. When I was growing up, was one of the best attackers I thought. So um, those guys were probably my favourite to watch. Yeah. So, so when did the transition from fly half to? I mean, you know, because obviously you're playing wing mainly at the Tars now, right? Yeah. So, so when and how did um, that all happen? That happened at North. I'd played a couple of years in Colts at fly half and inside centre, and they had some pretty good ones running around in grade. 
so um, I basically got chucked on the on the wing. Um, <laughs> but I played a lot of because there was nowhere else to go really. But I played a lot of fullback um, in my junior years growing up at school. So mm-hmm. um, I sort of knew how to play the back three and um, just sort of went from there. I played well there in first grade, and it's just sort of stuck since. No, it's great. And I, I guess what you can see, even from an uneducated eye like mine, is you know, you, you know you've got a, a great kick on you, which has been really, really useful with what you've been doing in the back three at the Tars. Um, were, were there any other kind of skills that you then had to focus, that you focused more on or you know, when you made that transition? Um, it was probably mainly the, the high ball and just field position in general. Um, field positioning, sorry. Um, because I hadn't really done too much of that in the front line playing fly half, so I could always sort of pass and, and kick, um, but it was mainly just positioning myself and taking the opposition's kicks that I've sort of tried to work on as much as I can. Okay. And um, so you, you, you made the transition to the Tars. I mean, what, how did that come about? Was, and it, you know, it seems you know, like it's been a pretty, uh, pretty meteoric rise, um, you know, in the last year or so, is, is that a fair way to look at it or has it been a, a slower burn than we realised? Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess on the surface it sort of looks that way, but I had two years at the Brumbies, um, one in the academy but training full-time in the main squad and then last year was my first year in the in the main squad. So, I don't know. I did a lot of hard work in Canberra for um, very little game time, I guess, but I yeah. definitely learned a lot of lessons and, got better as a player in that system so uh, I'd sort of been working hard down there and then the opportunity came to to venture back to the Tars and and I guess the same thing was sort of happening this year I wasn't getting a lot of game time but um, my mentality had certainly changed towards trying to get into the team and, and ask what I could do to get in the team rather than questioning why I wasn't in the team so I think that helped and and I've just been um, fortunate enough to get some game time and some opportunities this year. Yeah, awesome. And uh, the way I remember it, you, you know, you're towards the top of the try count in Super Rugby, and you haven't even played the whole season. So it's been a bit of a dream start, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, when I, I just wanted to to go well. Obviously, when I got that first game and to have um, scored um, those tries has been, it's been. I don't know. It's been great. It's been more than I could ask for. Okay. And so, Cam. The rest of us have been on a bit of a break uh, from Super Rugby, concentrating on the Lions. What about you? Have you still been training as a squad? Yeah, yeah, we certainly have. Like, I feel um, more sore than I sort of have been all year. Like, we've been getting absolutely flogged the last three weeks, but it's been good because there's been no break for us. So, I think that'll that'll go well for us um, heading into the weekend's game. And is it hard, do you, have you found it hard to finish Super Rugby for a period of three or four weeks and now you're going to have to get back into it? Is, is it hard that you've had to switch off and you've got to basically get back in for one more game? Um, well, I think that's where Czech's probably done a really good job is uh, the rest of the squad who weren't Wallabies. Like, we haven't really switched off. We've, we've trained hard and, and continued what we sort of wanted to achieve. So um, I guess the off button hasn't really been switched yet, so... Uh, it's been a smooth transition this week with all the guys coming back. Um, looking forward to that Reds game. Have you been continuing to play club? Or yeah, have yeah, you had, had time? Yeah, Is that good I've for the body? Um, like, uh, the, sorry. 
I should let you finish, but uh, <laughs> you go. Is it, is it good for you? Is it good for the body? You know, to, to step down a level and concentrate on getting a bit of fitness back rather than the grind of week to week. Um, yeah, I think it, it's always great to go back to club footy, um, especially when I've been playing for North for so long. Um, I think that's important, you know, to, to keep keep the game fitness up because if you literally take a week or two out from from playing footy, you really lose that match fitness, which I think is an underrated underrated factor. So it's been good for all of us getting back into shoot shield. So, mate, um, you've with you both your stints in in, in Canberra and now at the Tars. I mean, you've mentioned a couple of uh, pretty legendary names in coaching there. Um, just going back to Bernie Larkham, who you, you, you sort of said was quite an influence on you, can you think of any single tip or experience you had with him that kind of sticks in your mind um, as far as, you know, having having worked with the great man? Um, it's, he taught me a lot of things. I think, uh, again, it goes back to, to sort of catching opposition's kicks. So we did a lot of work early on when I first got there. Um, on a couple of really good drills, which included um, keeping your eyes closed once a guy kicked it and then opening them and having a move and and just tell which way the ball was going before he kicked it just based on his body shape. So I thought that was a pretty good one. My God, that's um, like on the deck of the... That's like on the deck of the Millennium Falcon, isn't it? Isn't that where they put yeah. the, the, the visor over the, the young... Um, the, the young Jedi? Is it Friday so? kid type stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's been good work. Wow, that's, that's pretty good. And so what about um, in, the, in the TAR setup? I mean, who, who, who are you kind of having, kind of getting most instruction from there um, out of the various coaches? Is it, is it you know, uh, is it gaffers or, or, or who, who, who kind of is having the most influence over your game there? Yeah, well, I think it's a pretty even keel between um, the three guys that we've got there in terms of the coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed working with Daryl Gibson, mainly one-on-one around around skills. Um, and Chex is great for, for the breakdown and and the, the physical sort of nature that you need to, to play the game. And then then Riff has been, um, has been awesome in terms of set pace. And I think that's where we sort of done um, particularly well as a backline, so mm. I've enjoyed all three, all three of those guys. They've been really influential to, to any success that I've had this year. Awesome. Okay, well that's that's great, mate. And the, the one question that we've got, which um, there's a couple of guys in our forum always poke us if we don't ask it, but um, you know, what would be your kind of uh, fondest memory in, in rugby so far is if there's anything if someone says look listen mate how come you like rugby so much is there a memory or an event that happens that you know you kind of you hold on to in your mind I've obviously had a couple a few over the years mm-hmm. um, I think a really special one for me was my last ever school game just because there's so much passion involved in schoolboy rugby like you only play six or seven games a year so it's so important and um, we won our last game ever when I was in year 12 against Scots right on the bell like they were, they were on our line and we kept them out and full time went the whole school sort of rushed the field so, wow. so that was pretty special and um, and then I guess going back to this year uh, my debut against the Chiefs getting to cheekily cross the line in that first game was something I'll never forget and after the game just sort of being welcomed into the to the Whitehouse family, so that was great as well. 
Yeah, there are a couple of pretty good ones. And yeah. so, Cam, this weekend, last game of the season, you guys have come pretty close. In fact, you know, you could end up as few as five points away from actually making the finals. What's uh, Czech's message been to you this week about how you finish off? I mean, it's, it's not a dead rubber, is it? You know, are you just no, focusing no. on this one game, or is it a part of what you've been doing for the season? What's his message been? Yeah, well, I think we've we've got to focus on this one game. I mean, if it was any other team, it, I don't know, it might be a little bit different, but this is the Queensland Reds. You know, we've got, I think it's a 131-year rivalry with, with Queensland. It's a big game, so... We just we just want to end the year on a really good note and perhaps use it as a building block going into next year. I mean, we've got a lot of guys that we're sending off this week as well, so it'll be great to win for them. Excellent. All right, mate. Well, look, we'll um, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, big game. It's been fascinating hearing about how you guys have been being had three weeks of flogging for this final game. So you're obviously uh, taking yeah. it pretty serious. Yeah, definitely. All right, mate. Well, it's going to be great. Going to be great to watch that um, get us all get our heads back into Super Rugby. Um, have a good one, and, and thanks for talking to us. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. For thanks, Cheers, Cam. See you, mate. Cheers. Great. Yeah, right there. Right there. So great to talk to Cam there. Get our heads back in uh, Super Rugby. Um, yeah, me from my old club in Sydney. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised your playing days didn't overlap. Actually, no. Well, I, as I said to him off air, uh, when I looked at his date of birth, he was nine months old when I played my last game for Norths. <laughs> <laughs> it was virtually handing the baton on, mate. Virtually yep. handing the baton. It was quite fascinating to hear that you know he was a fly half at one stage. Because uh, he, he looked like a you know thoroughbred kind of winger to me, but uh, oh, yes. he's a, he's a big fella. Yeah. yeah, he's been really good this year. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually when I, he first came on, I didn't realise that he'd been in the Brumbies program, and I thought the Tars had picked him up from club rugby. That's what I'd assumed as well. Um, and then, but all of a sudden, it makes sense as well why he's got such a great educated boot. Um, because you know he's you know obviously played fly half before, so yeah. So he's one to watch for the future. Mm, for sure. Um, Alrighty, guys, so that's just about it. The only thing I'll remind everybody is those tickets, the, the competition tickets, um, with the TARS playing out um, at ANZ this weekend. Um, you can have a, those double pair, just get us get in what you think Link's big priority is and why it's such a big priority, and they could be yours. Otherwise, um, great to chat to you guys. It's been a pleasure. Yes. It's, it's Very been, good. It's been another biggie. We've had a few things to cover. Yeah. <laughs> And Just a little. Well done to anyone who's managed to stay on the whole time. Um, but uh, anyway, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on, and we'll speak to you later, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.